Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Welcome in to Take Command. Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson with you here from Odyssey Sports. And uh, we got a lot to talk about because training camp is in full swing. And uh, one of the best players in Commander's franchise history of the past decade has hung it up. So we will talk a little bit uh, about Ryan Kerrigan here at the top, then get in to everything about training camp. And we are hoping to have Ryan Kerrigan on the pod very soon. Logan, your former teammate. Uh, we have been in touch. Uh, a little your people talk to my people, except for we're just we're talking to Ryan. Uh, hoping to make the schedules work. And uh, we, we might have him as soon as Thursday. So uh, basically, the lesson is, as always, Logan, if you're not subscribed, you're missing out. Subscribe. Subscribe. You heard the man. That's all. That's all. That's it. Say. That's the subscribe. podcast. Subscribe. I'll, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> all right. See ya. Um, I I was not obviously blown away by Ryan's decision to retire. Um, he yeah. is an incredibly accomplished player who had a, a pretty long career. At the same time, it feels somewhat sudden because he was still playing here at a pretty high level not that long ago. Um, when did you get the news, and, and what was your reaction when uh, you heard your former teammate was hanging it up? I mean, I think there was always some speculation after his year in Philly. Not that he played poorly, but like his role had diminished. I knew his he was having an issue, um, like a health issue. Nothing like serious, but just kind of from playing for ten years that I know was kind of um, lingering about. I don't know if he's. Ta- I would say, it, but I don't know if he's been talking about it. Yeah, so I'll just I, kind I of don't leave it at that. know that I've seen it. So yeah, so you know, again, like those things kind of add up as you play longer and longer, and um, I, you know, he hadn't signed with the team, and we talked a little bit via text and. I, you know, I, I kind of was like, I wonder if he's thinking about it. And I kind of got the vibe that he was kind of leaning that way. So I wasn't totally shocked. I'm a little shocked that he didn't do it last year, you know, that he thought he could play another year. But, um, you know, just I'm so happy, honestly, that I was able to be there for it, like kind of through serendipity that I was here with the team and like covering the team and got to do like a little interview with him on the day. And because uh, he's one of my like favorite people that I ever played with, just an awesome, fantastic human being in addition to being a great football player. So I'm um, not totally surprised by the news and just very, very grateful that I got to kind of be there for, for the end of it, you know, and kind of share that day with him, which was pretty cool. So, Yeah, definitely. Um, he He's one of the guys that obviously I knew was super important when I got here in 2015. Um, as a beat reporter, I was like, I should probably get to know Ryan Kerrigan. Uh, it's a name that no matter where you were elsewhere in the NFL, for as many guys get, that get kind of lost in Washington – 
um, for any variety of reasons, Ryan had emerged as a star because of his production on the field. Um, you know, he had earned that. He is a guy that had double digit sacks a bunch of years, which, you know, again, like I think you can dive into some of those seasons and say like, oh yeah, he, he accumulated three uh, against a really bad line on one particular game and the consistency wasn't there in some of those later years. But like he had earned, like in order to to continue to make Pro Bowls, for instance, as a guy who is getting there on reputation, you have to earn the reputation in the first place, which probably also means you missed a couple on the front end that maybe you should have gotten. Um, and, and Ryan's definitely one of those guys that he was able to maintain those numbers later in his career, even if the play wasn't quite as consistently brilliant as it was in kind of those prime years of his career. Um, but the way he was able to continually produce at a high level, the way he was able to continually get after the quarterback and kind of, I think, transition later in his career a little bit, you know, he was always kind of a, I won't say like a traits guy in terms of like, he, he's, he's mainly a bull rush kind of guy. Um, he wasn't like a guy who was going to beat you with a bunch of finesse and moves, and it's not like he he became that. But certainly one of these guys that as his career went, he continued to figure out the kind of the art of pass rush and the skill of it and, and the timing and, and some of these just nuanced things. Many of the things that we're hoping that Montez Sweat and Chase Young could learn from a veteran like a Ryan Kerrigan if, if one were to be signed or if a guy like Ryan starts hanging around the facility a little bit more and, and doing some coaching. I know he's been around the field the last couple of days. Um, but it's, it's the kind of thing that you watch a guy like that, you know, be, go from young, young bull, if you will, to a guy who, who you can see thinking the game and just has that next level understanding. It was really fun, uh, progression to watch. And, and I'm grateful that I got to cover him. And, and also obviously the person he was is a, is a human being is, is second to none. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, Ryan to me is like the ultimate, the ultimate like blue collar player. And I think a lot of people hear that and they think it's like a knock. Like he was just a guy who was so incredibly consistent, consistent in his daily approach, consistent in his game approach, consistent in his play approach. And like, that is something that I will always respect about him. And I always respected guys that were the same every single day. Like he might be having a tough time at home, but you would never know it, man. You could set his, you could set your watch by him and his, and his, uh, and the way he approached the game. And I think that's something that is just a testament to him and his character. And again, you mentioned the bull rush thing, a guy that never really got crazy with the moves. You know what I mean? It was always kind of a, a long arm, maybe to counter inside type of guy uh, or power, power rip to the outside. So not, not overly technical necessarily, but a guy who was going to do those two things and just ask you to stop him on 30 rushes in a game. And oftentimes guys couldn't do that. I think that just speaks to just, again, like how consistent he is. Like if, if Montez or Chase adopted just that approach of just being like, this is who I am, this is what I'm doing every down, like they would be much more effective football players, even though they don't have all the flashy Instagram pass rush moves necessarily. Like just that will to kind of um, impose your desire on, a, on another player was, was kind of how Ryan played from a pass rush standpoint. And something it sounded I, like, I, I mean, Ron, Ron, sorry to cut you off, but like Ron made a comment last week that almost suggested he hopes Chase becomes that. Like he hopes Chase stops with all the other stuff and just kind of becomes a guy who's uses his physical dominance to, to get after it. And he didn't reference Kerrigan by name by any stretch, but he did kind of reference exactly what you just said of just like quit overthinking it and just be great. Like you are so physically yeah. dominant, just go. Yeah, and I think in this age of like um, PFF metrics and pressure metrics and stuff, guys are hunting for more ways to get pressure. But like, you know, sometimes you just got to rush. Just rush and be consistent with your angle, consistent with your line, consistent with your approach, and you'll be productive. And that's what Ryan did. Like, I don't think anybody's like looking up Ryan Kerrigan's sacks as like, oh, wow, look at this cool Instagram cut up I found. But 
dude has 95 sacks, 95 and a half sacks on his career. And not many people in the world can say that about anything. So, and again, that's just being consistent down in and down out. So I understand Ron's kind of perspective on that and wanting to get Chase to abide by that because that goes a long way in, in pass rush specifically. I think too, Ryan is the kind of guy that it's really easy to think about the things that he maybe was not, especially, and I, I will say as an analyst, like I was maybe guilty of this uh, in the last couple of years he was here as opposed to appreciating what he was, which is now easier in hindsight because right. we always look to, to glorify people when they sure. hang it up. But um, it's really easy to look at like Ryan and say like, yeah, he got fooled on some play actions or, you know, he didn't have a million pass rush moves or whatever. And then you just like go, wait a second. He was a guy who got you 10, 11 sacks a year. He was a guy right. who almost never missed games he was a guy who or even on a leadership front right like ryan was not a rah-rah get in the middle of the huddle you know like sometimes he was that guy but he was not inherently like a super vocal leader um and you mm-hmm. can speak to it more behind the scenes but you know certainly what we saw and, and what i was told he wasn't the kind of guy that was gonna like get up rip someone in a meeting or, or do any of that stuff but he was going to lead by example. And that is also a form of leadership that you need on, on a football team. You need some of those guys. You need some of the vocal guys. You need some folks that are willing to follow. Like you need a variety. And Ryan was so clearly defined and exactly who he was that it does make it easy to build around him. And at times they did a really good job of that here and, and trying to get, you know, a Preston Smith to play opposite of him. You know, they put an emphasis on on some of the D tackle spots, obviously in those later years with Allen and Payne. They try to maximize, you know, the pressure inside to, to keep Ryan free on the outside and let him do his thing. So I think Ryan's, Ryan's the exact kind of player that is great. And if you get caught trying to appreciate how he's not legendary, like you miss the point that he was freaking great. And that, just like you said, you can set your watch that greatness for almost a decade in the league. Yeah, and I think that's something fans need to understand. I think everyone, you know, like with the draft, we just did the draft, and we've got all our draft picks here now. Um, you know, they, they want to think about, oh, you know, like are any of these guys going to be the next, you know, elite player? Is Jahan going to be the next Julio or Jerry Rice or whoever you want to put in there? But, like, sometimes it's just good to have good pros, man. Good pros, good professionals, guys who are – uh, you know, I had this conversation with Santana a couple of days ago. There's something to be said for being solid in the NFL. Because, like, there's guys, some of the best players, some of the most, like, vigorous battles I had in my career were against guys who were solid pros. You know what I mean? They weren't going to go in the Hall of Fame. They weren't going to go to the Pro Bowl. They were just kind of below that top tier. And for Ryan, like, he was in that Pro Bowl category, keeping that kind of solid moniker. And I think fans need to understand that there is value to that, to the consistency of a player, that you know exactly what you're going to get. Because... You know, like they're not going to give you more, but they're never going to give you less. And that never going to give you less thing is so, so critical. You know, and I think to kind of elaborate on this season, like they did a good job. This this coaching staff and the scouting department did a good job of finding guys like that, guys like Ryan who are consistent in their professionalism. And I think that that's that's so, so important. You know, and it like it's it, his when they drafted him in 2011, honestly, it changed my perspective on creating a team. You know, because like I just thought the other guy that he was kind of in competition with was was Robert Quinn, and Robert Quinn's still playing, and he's had bigger sack numbers, but the consistency hasn't been there. And a guy that in Ryan, who you know is never going to get in trouble, never going to miss a meeting, never going to miss an assignment, and like that's just who he is. And if you had eleven of those guys, you've got a really damn good football team. And I think that's something that fans often overlook in in favor of something that's a little bit more flashy. And um, it's important to remember that. The NFL is not about that all the time. It's about those guys who do what they're supposed to do and do it at a high level. And that's what Ryan was to a T, you know, and I think hopefully, um, 
you know, he gets his name in the ring of honor and all that stuff because he definitely deserves it as a human being, man. Like, you know, you've talked to him just a, just one of the most stand up humans you've ever met in your entire life. And a guy who has made a ton of money, but has never changed. You know, he's not, he's the same guy as, you know, into that I met in 2011. He's the same guy that I had lunch with today in the cafeteria at, at, at the park, you know? So I think that again, just speaks to the type of person that he is. Yeah, Ryan was the kind of guy that would disappear on us from like a media standpoint for a while, just like the way his schedule was. Um, like yeah. he would be in the weight room or get in recovery or whatever when when it was open locker room. And there was a couple of times where we had to go to PR and be like, hey, like Kerrigan hasn't talked in a while. Can we get him? He'd be there the next day, always. Yeah. And like, you know, I that, that wasn't always the case with guys. Or like he'd show up and be like, hey guys, sorry. Uh, you know, I've been been getting extra treatment. What, what's up? Can I, Can we do this in, you know, five minutes, whatever? Like, yeah, okay, right. cool. Or, like, you know, they, he'd let us know, like, hey, guys, I'll be back in 10 minutes, like, meet you in my locker. And that kind of accountability from a leader, you know, you don't you don't need to talk every day. You don't need to be available necessarily every day. Like, your job does as a player include talking to the media, especially if you're a, a primetime player, a highly paid player, a leader like Kerrigan was. Um, but it's not your entire job, nor is it the most important part. And, and we're certainly willing to work with guys. And so that was something I was appreciated, too, was, like, you know, Ryan wasn't, Ryan wasn't the kind of guy that was looking to talk, but mm-hmm. if if there was questions that needed to be asked uh, for whatever reason, or he hadn't talked in a while, like you could count on on him showing up if he was asked to be there. Um, yeah. Not to mention, you know, obviously on a much larger. I mean, that's a very personal kind of you know specific to the media uh, relationship tidbit, but. You know, obviously the work he did in the community, um, you know, the the annual golf tournament he did for, which I believe he took over from Arakpo, if I'm remembering correctly. Correct. Um, yep. Yeah, he took that over in the work he did to, to help fight leukemia. Um, and, and I'm sure the things that he'll continue to do, and we can obviously, when we have him on, talk about ways in which he plans to stay in this community. I know he and his family had moved out west. His wife, I think, is from California. Um, so I don't yeah. know whether he'll be staying. You know, maybe you do, and you know, it's up to him to really say what he's going to be doing next. Yeah. Um, but I don't know whether he'll be he'll be staying here, doing taking some of that work out west, what, whatever it is. I'm sure that he will continue to be a part of of the Washington community for years to come because he did make sure that like he like he lived here. Like this was this was uh, like he's one of the guys that you could count on seeing out in the community. Like he, the kind of guy like he mentioned in his retirement note, right? Like. Oh, the highs in the grocery store. Like Ryan was still going to the grocery store. Like that's he just he just didn't see himself as like anybody special. And he just you know he's like yeah like I got to go to Wegman's like everybody else or wherever he went. Right. Yeah. And I think the other thing that really stood out to me, and this is again like a hundred percent a Ryan thing. And it sounds like we're gushing over him, but like this is just how he is. You know, it's easy to gush about a guy who's just. Now we'll make fun solid. of to his face. So you know we'll yeah, save the, we'll but, save those for yeah. uh, whenever he's on the pod. Yeah, seriously. But, you know, like the fact that he was like, oh, you know, one of the hardest things about coming back and the most emotional things was all the relationships that he Mm -hmm. made while here. And he didn't even say like coaches and players. He was like media, like equipment room, like training staff, weight room staff, like the cleaners. Like that's just how he was as a dude, you know, like very approachable, very accessible. And, you know, I'm very happy for him that he's like made this decision and is uh, kind of ready to start the next chapter of his life. And um, it can be very challenging, obviously, having just done it myself. And I know that it's kind of uh, probably bittersweet for him, but um, I'm happy that he can look back with pride and know that he did something pretty spectacular. Hey, everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast. 
podcast. Going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. Again, we'll hopefully have Ryan Kerrigan here in the next couple of days and have that for you on Thursday. If not, we will definitely have uh, HBK pretty soon. All right, as to uh, what you guys all saw on the field, uh, the offense has continued to struggle. If uh, if we were doing a post-game show or, you know, we uh, – God, I was talking to someone earlier. We got a pregame show coming up, bro. Like, we got, we got like, preseason number one pregame show coming up soon. <laughs> Like if we're if we're pl- putting together the pregame show for game one against Carolina and we're like, hey, all right, offense has been struggling in camp. What do they have to fix to make it right in this preseason game? What's the first thing on the docket to get this offense going? That's a really good question. I think uh, I think there's probably two prongs to that answer. One that kind of consistently sticks out, but has ha- has gotten better. It was really bad probably three days ago, four days ago, but is improving steadily. Is the protection. Um, it's something that really just seems to unsettle and rattle Carson in a way that is very detrimental to this offense. So that'd be kind of point one. Point two is like um, like play calling, play design at this moment. And this is training camp, so it's really hard to say because they're not like game planning for anything specifically. But I do think that um, you know, kind of giving him more options in the intermediate portion of the field is going to be a big deal because right now they're doing a really good job of attacking deep and they're really good at attacking kind of right near the line of scrimmage but that intermediate like 8 to 15 yard range has been a little quiet for my money Um, and I think that's something that could be beneficial in terms of helping the protection getting the ball out of his hand more quickly and all those different things so and I you know so having said those two things those are the two kind of factors I think that need to improve but the third element is Carson Wentz and his play and he's um and he's, he's struggled a little bit, quite honestly, you know, and like you can argue as to the reasons why that is, you know, his, his base hasn't been good in a large part because the pressure has been very high, but he's just been very inconsistent with his throws. I think he threw two more interceptions today. So finding a way to make him more comfortable and, you know, get him to play better, really, because, you know, one of the things I thought when they brought him here, Craig, is that, um, you know, he's going to be pushing the ball down the field. We're going get to be getting these big chunk plays. You know, as we learned, you know, big chunk plays correlate to scoring drives. And, you know, it's okay if he throws a couple turnovers in there. But it's been kind of the opposite of that. It's been a lot of turnovers, very few big plays. And I think that's somewhat concerning, um, you know, especially if they're playing the Panthers coming up here soon for yeah. our pregame special. Yeah, uh, the 13th. Uh, because it's August, man. It's nuts. Yeah. It's August it's 1st. Uh, 13th is is that first preseason game. Um, you know, Carson Wentz being in you know inaccurate is not new. Um, you know, as Warren Sharp has, has mentioned, and, and that's who we were just referencing, that big place yeah. that came from um, when he was on a couple weeks ago. Like, Carson's been the least accurate quarterback in the NFL that he's charted over the last two years. And right. so, you know, 
at what point does this become, you know, because right now it's very easy to say, well, we're still five days into camp. Things are still, you know, Chase Rhea is just getting back into the mix. Like you're, you're trying to work on all this different stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, like at what point are we allowed to go, this is concerning? Or is is it just, you know, hey, it's training camp all the way. But like at some point you'd like to see something good. Yeah, I mean, I'm like – I don't want to say I'm concerned in an alarmist way, but it is something that is definitely on my radar and it's slowly creeping up my list in terms of things that need to be prioritized to make this thing go for 2022. Like, uh, for example, today, you know, we're going to talk about Cole Turner in a minute. He ran an excellent route on William Jackson III. He was in isolation, ran a corner route and broke it off in front of the kind of the overhang quarters player. So he kind of, William Jackson III at inside leverage, he breaks out, crosses the guy's face who's over top of him and it should be a completed ball. But Carson Wentz kind of puts a little bit too much air on it. Cole jumps, and Cole has like a 30-inch vertical, but he's also 6'7". So imagine <laughs> that big, tall, lanky flame frame fully extended for the ball, and the ball still goes over his head right into the hands of the defender. Jeez. And so I look at that, and I say to myself, like, that that is something that should not and cannot happen. And I know people make mistakes. I know people have off days. And I think the thing that's most kind of startling about it is – we talked about this on the show. His OTA period was about as clean as an OTA period as I've ever seen. And so for him to kind of have this tremendous regression over these last couple of days, now that that being said, the defense is playing better too, but still like that throw right there kind of encapsulates what's going on with him. Another example from today that I think, you know, if we've got time, I'd like to point out is Terry's running a high cross across the field, right? And they're running like a scissors concept. So the outside guy's got a post and Bobby McCain is fixated on Carson's eyes and Carson in the in the O tape period did a really good job of looking to the post and then looking to the high cross kind of making two distinct movements to hold the midfield safety he watches the high cross the whole way Bobby McCain I'm not even kidding dude runs the route for Terry and if he does that Carson's got to throw the post he has to throw the post but he throws the high cross and Bobby McCain literally is standing right there ball in the bed basket I'm like what happened to the guy who was manipulating Bobby, manipulating this defense? Now, again, the back end's playing much, much better, but that is a throw that cannot be made, you know? And I think that's something that's very, very nerve-wracking, very alarming. Now, he does some good things. Like, I'm not saying it's all bad, but that that kind of stuff was nowhere to be seen during OTAs. In fact, he was doing the opposite. He was, he was like I said, manipulating the defense, moving things to his advantage, making, making plays, quite frankly, and now that's not there anymore, and I think that's something that... Um, Again, like I said, it's not the most alarming thing, but it is moving up my list in terms of things that need to be corrected. How much of this is due to pressure? Because that is something that he's really struggled with in the past. And, you know, the the earlier you are in OTAs, the less intense that pass rush is. Obviously, it's going to get even more intense. Uh, not only as you get through OTAs and more stuff gets in, installed on defense, but you're now at the point where I think pads go on tomorrow. Um, yep, tomorrow. so now you're going to get real pass rush, like for real, for real, obviously they still can't hit him, but you're going to get a lot more contact up front guys really getting after it. And maybe that ultimately helps the offensive line. Maybe they feel like they can hit back a little bit. Um, there's always that possibility, but it, I mean, how much of this is pressure induced? And if so, what is both the offensive line solution and the quarterback solution, by the way, including that answer probably should be something about a health update on Trey Turner. Was he back out there? He was, oh, was he back out there today? They have a new guy who's got a number very similar to Trey Turner, similar body type. I don't think Trey Turner was back out there today. So let me just say this. I think 
Carson Wentz started struggling in minicamp, and that's when the defense started bringing pressure versus empty looks, which is what they've been doing kind of throughout training camp. And the pressure is just kind of ramped up. So schematically, the defense seems to be being a little bit more aggressive from a pressure standpoint. In conjunction with a back end, you know, William Jackson III, Kendall Fuller, Cam Curl, Bobby McCain, who are playing much better in the back end in terms of matching concepts and eliminating space. Because one of the things about OTAs is there was a ton of space. That space has kind of evaporated. So that that's twofold, right? More pressure by the defense, better coverage. That's going to lead to more pressure, right? Then compound that with this idea that the offensive line has kind of been a, a mishmash, a little bit of a musical chairs element, I think it makes it worse. Now, I want to say three days ago or four days ago when we talked, it was about as worse, as bad as I've seen in a training camp. Like the practice was completely ruined. Since then, it has progressively gotten better. Not like exponentially, but today was not fantastic by any stretch of the imagination, but definitely better. And I think that when you watch today's practice, there are times where Carson is feeling kind of a ghost pressure like it's picked up he's got to get the ball out of his hands and it just sails a little bit right or he he, get, he got bumped early in practice today during their nine on nine which is essentially their seven on seven period and then like the rest of the day looked a little bit kind of nervous about it right and so you know and, and even to compound that like during their first team period Montez Sweat bumped into him and knocked the ball out of his hand so like very physical kind of something you don't really see as you know in practice that often. So again, that kind of might've flustered him for the rest of the day, but he just didn't look very settled today. He threw two bad interceptions, really bad interceptions, got away with a third one. Haneke threw one. Like the defense is just on another level right now. And I don't see, again, like I go back to the scheme, like how, how is Scott challenging the defense? And I don't see a ton of new stuff in terms of route concept. I don't see a ton of new formations that challenge them from a rule standpoint. So those are some things that I think need to be kept an eye on. I think there is an element of protection. I think Carson Wentz's reaction to that protection is is, is extreme in, in certain cases. I think the coverage is getting better, which again helps the rush. And I think uh, Scott is not – the offense is very kind of what it is. And I'd like to see them kind of challenge themselves more, try different things, and see if they can evolve. Now, that being said, there are some positives from today too, which we can talk about a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I – Hearing that makes me nervous as hell that, like, Carson, if Carson's getting nervous and flustered in practice, like, yikes. That, um, again, that's not, that's not like a 100% thing. That's just like what yeah. I'm. What well, I mean, I'm the results are the results. Some, yes. The results look as if he is flustered. He is clearly like, okay, say mentally he's calm, but his, if his mechanics are breaking down, then what's the difference? You know, right. there, there's, there's only so much of that that, like, his mental state which he's never going to admit anyway uh matters because yeah. he is he needs to execute under pressure and no matter what the cause is if he's not able to do that in practice type of pressure oh, that's that's a pretty rough look uh obviously right. moving forward um and that's got to get straightened out and it gives you i think extra extra anxiety uh which of course we all need right now extra anxiety uh going into the season considering that's kind of been his mo it's like you know, you're hoping, and this gets to, to Turner, you're hoping that they had a plan for him to kind of support the areas that have been weak for him in the past. And we're not seeing that so far. And, you know, I, I know uh, Scott was on with, with Sheehan this morning um, and haven't had a chance to listen back to that full interview yet. But if, if we had Scott on here, I had him on my show, I, I'd certainly want to ask, like, what percent are you using right now? Because they might be looking at it like, we've yeah. got to get our base stuff down. Like, we've got to get the base of our offense. We've got to get our day one stuff. And if it's not going well, it's like, no, back to that tomorrow. And instead, 
it's actually making it harder because the defense is just seeing the same stuff over and over again, and they're they're right. ready for it. And you know, by adding a le- couple layers of complexity, you'd actually loosen things up for the offense. And it's not that they don't know it; is that they don't have a chance to execute it well because the defense is all over it. Yeah, I think that I think that's a hundred percent right. That, that's what it feels like for sure. So, I mean, what do they what do they do to fix that? Like, what, <laughs> like what, at what point does Ron or like how many days does this get to happen before you go like, hey guys, are you awake over there? Well, offensive staff, yeah. like, chop chop, let's go. Yeah, I mean, I don't know this for sure, but I heard a rumor that Ron was frustrated with today and he called practice early. I heard that through the, you know, just around. Take that for what it's worth. But again, like, I think that, um, like, I understand why Ron's frustrated. The offense, again, it went from looking so good and something to be so excited about to kind of floundering, right? Like, I don't think Terry has caught a deep pass in this offense since since training camp started. He caught one the first day and has not caught anything since then and has... And William Jackson III, Kendall Fuller have been doing a great job, but they've kind of kept them quieted, you know what I mean? And I think that they deserve a lot of credit for that, but that's something that's concerning. Jahan, again, has been productive, but he can't be your only productive weapon, and it's not like he's – like today he had an excellent catch in the red zone, excellent throw by Carson. But again, like relatively quiet compared to what it was in OTAs. It feels more labored. Everything feels contested. There's not as much space. And um, and it's been interesting because the guys who have been most productive are like the tight ends who have these gigantic catch radiuses. You know, Cole Turner has shown up pretty nicely over the last two practices um, in the red zone specifically doing some really high-level stuff, you know, and looking like a big, strong dude and catch the ball outside of his frame. And so, like, he's been the bright spot. But, again, like, he has the frame and the ability to kind of adjust to a ball that is somewhat errantly thrown. And I think that's another variable that's important to consider. And same with Curtis Hodges. He's made some nice plays. He made some nice plays on Saturday. Again, adjusting to kind of errantly thrown tight window balls. And that's if that's what we're relying on for this offense to be successful, I, I don't think that's the right way to go about it. Like, um, so, obviously, something needs to be – to be, to be done, to evolve, to change, to allow this group to be more effective. Like, even when I watch the run stuff, you know, and again, they have a lot of stuff going on from an all-line standpoint and consistency standpoint. Like, there were two runs today where the front side player of the run, the overhang player, was not blocked. And he just steps to the line of scrimmage and makes a tackle on the back. And if that's the intent of the run, like, if that's the intent of the run, to run to the front side, why isn't that player accounted for? Like, th- th- these are the questions that I have when I watch the offense. Like, there's times where I'm watching it, and everybody's covered, going deep to the deep half, to the deep whatever quarter of the field, and there's nothing underneath, there's no answers, there's no solution, and so the quarterback looks kind of like, what am I supposed to do with the football? And I think those things are, are concerns I've had about the offense for a while, and I kind of hope that you know, because of this old school philosophy with the offense that the added vertical space would create more horizontal space, but they don't fill the horizontal space. So that's a big question for me. Like what, like what, this can't be the best solution to this. And maybe it is, maybe this is what Scott feels like. This offense has been successful for a very, very long time being run like this. And what do I know? You know, I'm just a young pup when it comes to some of this football offensive development stuff, but these are concerns that I do have. And I'd like to see something happen. And I don't get to talk to Scott. I don't get to talk to these people. So I can only infer on, on based on what I'm watching. And it's concern, it, it is concerning. Take Command podcast here from Odyssey Sports. We should... Uh, I, 
I don't know that they would they would give us Scott for the podcast. Uh, that feels <laughs> feels dangerous. Um, but I would be curious to ask. I'm sure at some point you'll get a chance to talk to him for this, the work you're doing for the team. Like, yeah. I want to I want to know those answers because yeah, are are have you been around the NFL as long as Scott Turner has? No, as long as his dad has, surely not. Um, yeah. But like, you did play for some really smart coaches, and you had a pretty long career. Uh, thanks in large part to how you thought about and processed the game. So uh, I, I think that's like if if you're if you're it'd be one thing to me like if you were seeing this and went, I get what's supposed to be happening and it's not happening. Yeah. But to look at right. it and go like I don't really understand what's supposed to be happening here. Like there's just there's a missing piece that's that's not there. Now it could be there on paper and not not ultimately be executed. Yeah, um, yeah. but like get, there's there's new quarterback here. There's a lot of variables, new pieces. But yeah, it is like. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. To I was just going to say, like, the fact that it's it's hard for you to even see what's supposed to be happening, I'd, I'd say, is uh, pretty well, concerning, to say not, the least. It's it's not so much that I don't see – that I can't see what's supposed to happen. It's just, like, how reasonable is that assumption for that to be happening, you know? Let's say, like, you're running this these vertical concepts, and they match, which does happen in the NFL because people run quarters coverage. As we had when our in when uh, when that guy Warren Sharp was on, he said it was the most run coverage last year against explosive offenses. So if right. this team with all these explosive weapons, you should expect to see more quarters. Our defense runs quarters, right? That's what they do. So they will match vertical concepts well. That's what the coverage is designed to do. So what is your answer versus quarters on some of these concepts? That's my question, and I, I don't see a, a nice progression. Another thing that came up today was. You know, they're running like a dagger concept, like a deep in cut, and they're running it off of a drop back. And teams run it off drop backs all the time. But one of the things that Kyle would do is he'd run these deeper concepts off of play action to abide more time and let the route develop. And the mm-hmm. other thing, like, Kyle was super detailed about, like, if you're running a dagger, tighten your split. If you're running a deep dig, tighten your split. And then, like, again, like, what is the detail level there? I don't know. And again, I'm not in the installs. I don't know. So I can't. Don't take my word as Bible. These are just some thoughts I have when I'm watching practice. Like these are questions I have about the offense and the defense like deserves a ton of credit because they are playing with their hair on fire. Right. And so yeah. I think that's, that's, that's important to note too, is that they're doing a really nice job. Yep. All right. Take a man podcast from Odyssey sports, Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson. Uh, you said there's bright spots. So let's, now that we've yeah. depressed everybody, let's, uh, let's oh, get to some bright hopefully, spots. Hopefully, hopefully people aren't depressed. Like, just, just think hopefully. every, every, uh, bad thing, quote unquote, bad thing we said about the offense means the defense did great. So, uh, just put on your, your happy defense pants and, you know, everybody's, everybody's happy. Well, okay. So in terms of offense, like, let's just talk quick, really quick. Like, Cole Turner has been a bright spot and I think he should be getting more burn in this offense. Deami Brown has shown up. He was very quiet in OTAs. He's starting to kind of make some noise, which is important. You know, he's a third-round pick, second-round, third-round pick. So, obviously, getting some miles out of him is, is great. Um, McKissick, like I said to you off the air, has done a really nice job in the short area quickness, winning on choices. He had an excellent route, excellent route today on uh, Jamin Davis on a little choice route. Very Jordan Reed-esque, just very high level and awesome to see that. So, good to see him. Gibson's looked very good with his kind of limited practice schedule. And uh, Brian Robinson, again, just looks like he's going to be a, a dude in this offense. So, all good things. Cosby's been very productive against Sweat. There are bright spots. Just kind of, you know, the, the bigger themes are a little bit more questioning. Defensively, gosh, I mean, there's, like, do we have an hour to talk about? How, like, let's talk about the back end. Kendall Fuller has just been playing like a man possessed. He's been on fire, on rhythm, on timing, playing with great vision, playing very competitive football. 
fired up to see what he does in the season, right? Because he has been like he's been in Terry's pocket, he's been in Jahan's pocket, and Jahan like will win a, once in a while, but it's like it's good competitive football. William Jackson a third, same thing. Dude looks so comfortable right now. And if you're a fan of, of good cornerback play, that should be exciting for you because, you know, one of his criticisms was he never got comfortable last year. He never got, got there. And so to see him in that position now, very comfortable, is exciting. Bob McCain, Cam Curl, they're like the field generals back there getting everybody communicated. Benjamin St. Juiced, man, like he he's like every day putting like just putting a stamp on that nickel position saying like, I am that dude, I'm going to be the guy to can lock he, that can down. Can he play – can he play it at like the Buffalo responsibility? Like it's funny because Ron Ron was saying the other day, like, oh, St. Juice could be the Buffalo guy. And I was like, Well, I guess it's your defense, so you can call it whatever you want. Like, but you know, if 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 it's a corner, technically it's not Buffalo, the way, you know, it, it had been termed previously. It was like it meant there yeah. was three safeties, but like who cares what they call it? The responsibilities are the responsibilities. The amount they play it is the amount they play it. The calls are the calls. Can he fill that? Like, can they play nickel or can they play St. Juice to the extent that it it is their and I'm not I'm non uh, non proper noun base defense, right? Like base is four three, right? <laughs> but like their their most used defense, I'll put it that way. I think if they had their way, they'd have Cam Curl play nickel on first and second down versus base personnel. I think that's if they had their perfect world, that's what they do. Which means Forrest or Butler or Reeves have to step up. I think Forrest and Butler have the inside track on that. But Reeves has done a nice job. He made a nice PBU in in the red zone period today with the threes. Again, it's with the threes, but. Dude's doing a good job. Yeah. And um, and so, like, but so you need another piece to get in there, right? Another thing to consider is, um, you know, Percy Butler's been getting some reps with the later groups at the nickel and at the Buffalo, the Buffalo nickel. Um, and he's done a really nice job with that. And, gosh, man, he, like I said, I said this the other day, like, he, I don't know if he knows what he's doing all the time, but, like, when he <laughs> is running to the football. Overrated. It, it is. Have really you listened fast. to the radio show? I don't know what I'm doing half the time. <laughs> no, but I, I'm not saying he's making mistakes. But I'm just like, he's just flying to the ball. Like he had a pick today, which yeah. he had no business making. But he he runs a four three, so he's there. So that's really cool to see. Um, and again, do I think Benjamin St. Juice could play first, second down? Yes and no. I worry. It's just when you got to take on blockers, it's a different animal. You know what I mean? It's a different deal. Like he does a good job fitting runs when it's eleven personnel. So three wide receivers, one tight end, one back. Just a good job with that. But it, the blocking schemes get a little bit more physical. The body types, the mindsets get more physical when you go 12 or 21. And you got you got to fit on a fullback. Like DBs, in my experience, are not about that life. So I would expect some amalgamation of the three of those guys. Probably Cam Curl, at least early in the season on first and second down. Benjamin St. Juiced on third down and in uh, passing situations, which, to be fair to that position, is going to be about 60% of the time anyway. So he'll be on the field a ton. I think that's good ball. And then I think keep an eye on Percy Butler's development. I know I am. Again, he did a great job in the special teams period today, did a great job on defense. And when he sees it, he can rip to the ball and a guy that I think is going to be a physical tackler when the pads come on. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, You also were saying Deron Payne uh, has had a a heck of a camp. And this is a guy that obviously – has has a point to make he's in a contract year he's also you know now four years into the league he's he's learned a lot he's been a heck of a player his first three i think incredibly underrated um almost criminally underrated at times there's so many games where you go back and you watch the tape after and you're like was deron Payne the best player on the field yesterday um yeah. like incredible player and it seems like he's showing up in a big way from from what you've been saying what you've seen and, and what everybody's observed out there yeah i mean i think he's just been mr consistency you know what i mean like which is a little unusual like there's times where 
at least in OTAs, like in years past or training camp years past when I'd watch, and he'd go quiet for long stretches, you know, a couple of days and then make a splash play. Like every day he's making a splash play. And, you know, in team pass, like he's almost on the verge of beating the guard every single play, which is a tough way to live if you're the guard. Now, Trey Turner's out, so Sadiq is starting at guard at the moment. And I think that that's something to consider, you know, like Sadiq is a very good athletic football player with a lot of upside, I believe, but he's not a starting NFL guard at the moment. And so you'd expect Payne to win, but Payne does, and he wins consistently. And he's definitely putting Sadiq through his paces. And a guy, again, who's who's kind of on a mission to make a statement about where he belongs on this team and, and the, the amount of money that I think he deserves and putting himself in a good position to do that. So he's a guy that's shown up, I think, um, Jamin and Cole have done a nice job. I think Jamin kind of had a rough day today. I think he lost a couple routes kind of based on scheme and conception uh, today. Like he, he was kind of the hook dropper on Jamin's, on uh, Jahan's touchdown today. And Carson and Jahan did a nice job connecting on that. And I don't know if that's entirely his fault. He got beat, like I said, by on a route by McKissick. But again, is playing better football and a guy that, you know, for tomorrow is going to be a huge day for in terms of how he looks when the pads come on. Because I think that a, a lot of the questions about his game reside on whether or not he does well when the pads come on. So that's something to keep an eye on. They've obviously been in shells. Um, they're running stuff. They're playing football, but it's it's not with the pads on. How's it changed when the pads go on? Like what what is the difference tomorrow in practice versus what we've seen so far? Yeah, so I think there's um, a couple things. Like one of the things like for me, helmets, if I have my helmet on, like I'm going full speed. That's how I was as a player. And a lot of young guys, you can see abide by that same principle, which is kind of the unwritten rule of the NFL is you practice fast, you practice physical. But as you start adding layers of protection, the game does ramp up because you can get away with different stuff. So you put shells on and, hey, maybe I can jam my head in there a little bit harder or punch my inside hand a little bit harder because I know, like, the gauntlet is the, the parameters of the game have now changed, right? And so when you put the pads on, you've now essentially weaponized your upper body. And what I mean by that is if you're defeating a block, you can now throw your shoulder full speed into someone's face mask and not get the face mask tattoo on your shoulder because you have a shell, a hard plastic shell on there. So the physicality definitely changes. Like, it's always fast. It's always physical because these guys are NFL football players. But all of a sudden now you, you've you weaponized the, the, the human form and you're ready to kind of be in football mode. And it's not going to be as fast as it is in the preseason, but it'll tick up a little bit. There's going to be a lot of energy tomorrow. Like, if you want to come to a practice – Tomorrow's a good one, good one to come to because guys are going to be hooting and hollering and banging each other and doing all sorts of crazy stuff. And from a physical physicality standpoint, that's always fun to watch the first day. Let me uh, let me check my calendar. What time's practice tomorrow? Uh, I think it's at nine nine to eleven eleven fifteen something like that. I might have to I might have to send send PR a note. I might come to practice tomorrow. If not, I think yeah, I'm coming on Friday. So yeah, uh, you should come come to a padded practice day. Is all yeah. I'm saying. No, I'm I'm definitely. You know, I mean, as a fan, yeah, definitely. If you're listening, come on out. I mean, I will, maybe maybe you you do the day that I'm out there, and you can wave at me. I'll wave back. Be like, hey, good good to see you. But I got to get out there, bro. I I I can't I can't just do the podcast based off of tweets and what you're seeing. I got I got to get out there with my own eyes and then apply the old Kevin O'Connell: see a lot, see a little, see a little, see a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though man it, it, i will say it's incredibly hard to watch practice from the sideline it's incredibly difficult to kind of keep track of everything and who did what and what's going on so it's it's a uh, it's tough but it is cool to kind of feel the energy of practice i think you uh you guys had cam curl on set today anything to take away from that man i like his vibe you know like tana said afterwards man i really like his energy and i don't disagree i think he's a guy who's you know you talk about people who handle themselves the right way like you know we talked a little bit about how 
um, you know, he's becoming more popular, becoming more kind of famous. And he was like, I don't really worry about that. I, I want to, you know, like make my mark on the football field. And that was really cool. You know, and I think, um, I think that's, that speaks to me that informs my opinion, like, oh, saying this is a guy who's built mentally the right way and wants to be great. And that's, that's pretty cool. I think, you know, so, um, a guy, a guy, he's, he's a guy we've talked a lot about on this podcast because he is a, he's a freak, man. I think that's the other thing. When he came into this tent, like he's built different. I know people say that all the time, but he's big. He's a big dude, uh, for a guy who plays safety. So, um, I, I, I really enjoyed the interview. You guys should definitely check it out. And also like, he's just a good, good football player, good dude and built the right way to kind of have a long career, which is exciting. Definitely excited to uh, go back and check that out. All right. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday, hopefully with Kerrigan. If not, we'll have him next week. Uh, but excited uh, to, to have that conversation when it comes. Excited to see uh, the next couple of days of practice. Who knows? Maybe I'll have in-person practice observations uh, on the next pod. So, you know, this is, again, Logan, to, to wrap where we began, this is why you subscribe. You just never know this what you're going to get. But you know you want it. And you want it as soon as it's available. As soon as uh, super producer Matt Essek, who's now fully on board and ready to go, has been listening to this entire conversation, taking notes Matt and everything. There today? Yeah, Matt's, Matt there today? Matt's over there. Matt, would you like to officially say hi to the podcast? I, I can make sure your microphone is. Hold on, I'm get, Logan, you're going to go for a ride oh, on the camera for a second. Yeah, All right, yep, yep. Okay, Matt, your mic is live. Hi, everybody. All right, that's it. That's Matt, Matt Essig, everybody. Uh, all right, we'll be back on Thursday. Uh, so make sure you are subscribed on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, following along on Twitter, at Hoffman Show, for Logan, at Logan underscore Paulson82. And we'll see you then on Take Command.